Good evening, church. I'm sorry, was I two seconds early? I think I was two seconds early. <laughs> sorry about that, church. If you're outside um, and making your way in, feel free to make your way in. Uh, we are just about to get started. Um, and I want to begin by reading a passage from Revelation. I want us to spend some time in Revelation chapter 4 and 5. Um, I don't know if we can do anything about this, but the, um, the screen at the back uh, is a little bit uh, janky. Thank you. Um, I want us uh, to t spend some time in our singing, in our worship, and even our communion time this morning in the throne room uh, of heaven. And this is a scene in Revelation 4 and 5, and I'll, we'll talk about it a little bit later. But I want to read a few verses on it to prepare us uh, to come to worship this evening. So I'm reading from Revelation chapter 5, verses 11. Sorry, verses 11? I think I said verse 11. We may or may not have it on there. Um, it says this, then I, saw, then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. That's the scene we're going to be in as we worship our God. Would you stand? Would you sing with us? Shines like the sun in all of its brilliance. 
can stop the Lord Almighty? Who 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 can stop the Lord Almighty? Sing, who can stop? Who can stop the Lord Lord, you are the light of Judah, the lamb that was slain. And we join with your saints and the angels through all generations to worship you in your throne room. No. 
But God was holy, holy, holy. You may take a seat. We've come to a time of communion, and 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says, Whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. You proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. There's a past, present, and future aspect of it, of taking communion. This evening, I want us to look toward the future. We talked about this as a start. We want to look toward when Jesus comes, to look when we will be with the Lord, we will be in the presence of the Lord in heaven. I want us to look to the throne room scene in Revelation chapter 4 and 5. And we've already been singing about this in all of our songs so far. For those of you who aren't familiar, this is a glimpse of heaven that John gets. He sees the throne in heaven. He sees angels and elders surrounding the throne and they are declaring holy, holy, holy. He sees the Lion of Judah, the Lamb that was slain, He's standing at the center of the throne. I want to read one of the proclamations that they make. I want you to notice the three sets of three here. This comes from Revelation chapter 4, verse 8. And it says this, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Apologies that we don't have it up, by the way. We've been having some technical issues um, this evening, but I will talk through it. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. That's the three sets. The first set, holy, holy, holy. That's the first set of three. There's only two times in the whole Bible that we get this threefold holy, holy, holy. The first is in Isaiah chapter 6, and Isaiah there has a similar vision of God. And the second one is here in Revelation chapter 4 in the throne room of God, in the throne room of heaven. The second set of threes Lord God Almighty. Lord God Almighty. We don't get Lord God Almighty very often in Scripture. It does happen sometimes, but not that often. You get Lord God a lot. You get Lord Almighty a lot. But you don't tend to get all three together. Isaiah chapter 6 doesn't even say Lord God Almighty, by the way. In there, it's Lord Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. So over here, God is truly being glorified in a special way. The third set of three, who was and is and is to come. Past, present, future. Remember 1 Corinthians 11? When we take communion, we proclaim Jesus' death until He comes. Jesus died, past. We proclaim it, present. He will come, future. He was, He is, He is to come. So today, 
as we take communion, let's look toward heaven. Let's proclaim Jesus just as the angels and the elders did. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He died, He rose, and He will come again. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Lord, that Jesus has come and done something monumental, done something that has impacted all of history, done something that is in the middle, center of all of history. He died on the cross for our sin, that we might be saved, we might be redeemed, we might join in with the resurrection and be with the Lord forever in heaven. As we take communion with the weight of that, always lie on us and lead us to live lives in the presence, honoring to Jesus and proclaiming his name and proclaiming his death until he comes. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This is a time for those who call Jesus their Savior, who look forward to that throne room where they can cry, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty. Worthy is the land that was slain. If that's you, I invite you to take of today's um, communion. I'll ask for the first five rows or so. If you can please stand up and come forward. Um, you may take the bread and the cup, bring it to your seats, and we will take it together at the end.
holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Let's eat together. Proclaim Jesus' death until he comes. Let's drink together. We're going to sing a new song this evening. It's called Hymn of Heaven, and it brings us into that throne room scene. Would you please stand and sing with us?
join the resurrection. Join the resurrection. Stand beside. Of the faith, with one voice, a thousand generations. Sing, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Forever He shall reign. generations to worship you, the Alpha and the Omega, beginning and the end. We glorify you above all. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Before you take, before you take a seat, turn to someone around you, give them a smile and a wave, give them say hi. You can see how they are so cool under pressure. I'll probably froze like the screen did. Welcome back. I know that there's a lot of people who have just came back from the holidays. Um, we are doing Scripture as Subi. If you have not seen it for the last three, two weeks, um, there's a yellow card at the cubby uh, hole there. So you can pick up one when you're exiting. So today's verses that we're doing is Psalm verse, chapter 1, verse 1. Are you ready? All right. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the companies of mockers. Thank you. My name is Sean Kum. I'm one of the elders in Subi Church. Welcome back, as I say. Um, it's one of those things that we do in Subi Church here. Um, whether you're new or you've been here 10,000 years like me, there's one of these cards um, at the cubby hole. You can fill them up physically or on your seat. If you do use the technology, there's a QR code in front of you on the seat. You can just scan it and put in your details. We just want to know how you're traveling. If you have a great holiday, share with us too. Um, let us know how we can pray for you too. It's time for offering. Offering is one of the things that we do here at Subi. We do it every week. The reason we do it is to thank God for his blessing to us. It's just a little bit of things that we give back to the Lord so that we can actually use it for the work in Sui Church here. So let me pray and lead you in prayer for that. Father Lord, we thank you indeed for your blessing and your guidance through 
the weeks. Lord, we know that a lot of blessing that we receive from you, there's no way that we can repay you. But Lord, we ask that you accept this little token of our appreciation, the offering that we offer to you. If you can take the love, to use it for the extension of the kingdom's work. Lord, we thank you indeed and pray all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. We do have a few exciting um, events coming up. So the first one will be the small group leaders training. Now, it says small group leaders, but listen up. We're doing overview of John. The date will be on Tuesday, 6th of February, between 7 p.m. and 8.45 p.m. I think it's p.m. Someone wrote a.m. here. That's okay. Um, otherwise, that would be almost 12 hours, 13 hours. Grant Taylor, a New Testament lecturer at Trinity College, Theological College, will be giving an overview of the book of John, which we will be studying at church, as a church. We will, he will help us to think through the key elements of the book to help small group leaders and also Bible study on John. Everyone is welcome. You don't have to be a small group leader. Please RSVP in your connect card or using a QR. The next announcement is the membership class. The date will be Saturday, 11 February, 12.30 to 2 p.m. Church membership involved formally committing to serve a Subi church with your time, talent, and treasure. And the church formally committing to supporting you in your spiritual growth. We are running the membership class with lunch provided where we will outline the distinctiveness of Subi church and what it means to be a member here. Please RSVP on your connect card. That's for the catering purposes too. We have a vision weekend coming up on 17th of February and the 18th of February. We will, be, we will have a special service on the 17th, 18th February where we will be presenting a vision of church for Subi Church for the 2024. This will be following by a Q&A session with Pastor David and after each service. It's time now for us to pray before we have the message. Please bow our heads as I lead you in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness and faithfulness to us. Lord, we exhort you and leave your name today. May our praise and adoration be honoring to you. You are worthy, Lord, of all our praises. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying on the cross. Thank you that you took the punishment of sin we deserve upon yourself, that we may know forgiveness and freedom. It costs you everything because of your great love for us. Lord, we bring the needs of the world to you. Thank you that you care and answer every prayer according to your will. Lord, we pray for those who are suffering, facing persecution, famine, and war. Bring comfort and hope. We pray for the government and authorities to have compassion and act in wisdom. We pray for peace and reconciliation. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray for our nation, Australia. Thank you for this land of rugged beauty and abundance. Thank you that we are a country of different nationalities, many who have come from war-torn countries like seeking refuge. We pray for our indigenous people, bring reconciliation, healing, and forgiveness. 
We remember those in the East who are struggling after flood and heavy rains, and we pray for the relief effort. We pray too for our leaders and parliamentarians to govern with integrity and truth. Lord, we pray for the spiritual revival of our nation, that people would not seek to do away with Christians' belief, but that they will seek your face and turn to you. Father, we pray for the people of Australia. Please work powerfully through your Holy Spirit to bring transformation in their hearts, that many would come to know and trust in you as the Creator and Savior God. Lord, we pray for those in our congregation who are struggling and going through difficulties. Bring healing, a breakthrough, and release. Lord, we are so thankful for the many ministry in Subi Church. And pray for the direction and guidance for the coming year. Thank you for our pastor, elders, staff, ministry leaders. Grant them strength and encourage them in their work. We pray too for the families and children as they return to school this coming week. Help them to settle in quickly. We pray for the, our service. Prepare our hearts, Lord, to receive from you. We pray for David Liao as he preaches your word. Speak through him and anoint his word by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good evening. My name is Esther Ong. Our scripture readings today are taken from Haggai chapters 1 and 2. If you are able, I invite you to stand with me as we read from God's word. Haggai chapter 1, 1 to 11. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Sheetal, governor of Judah and to Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages, only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces on people and livestock and all the labor of your hands. Haggai, 
Haggai chapter 2, verses 1 to 9. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Sheetal, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw the house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. And work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. You may now take a seat. This year, we'll begin the Gospel of John uh, next week. Uh, but before we do that, this weekend, we have a guest speaker. My, I call him a guest speaker, but many of you will know him very well. So I will invite up uh, David Liao. He's well known to many of you. Let's give him a round of applause and welcome him. Hi, David. Uh, there's a couple of questions for David, just to uh, us to get to know him. How long have you been at Subi Church? Ah, about 26 years, I think. 26 years. Yeah. Wow. That is a long time, and that's uh, uh, great that you've been able to be here for that long. Uh, and now, 2011 was a significant year for you and your family. What happened then? Yeah, so we left Perth, and we packed up our lives, and we went to Cambodia to serve as missionaries with OMF. Cambodia? Yes, Cambodia. Right. And... Uh, uh, what was that experience like for you as a family? Uh, we, we, had, we had challenging times in Cambodia, but we also saw how God really worked in our lives, providing in so many ways, and also just having us to bless the people that we spent time with. So that was really good. Yeah. And uh, what are you doing now? So we, we moved back after three and a half years uh, due to health reasons. Um, and since then, I've been asked to serve as the, like the state leader for OMF in Western Australia. And my main role is that to actually help to mobilize the church to get more involved in God's mission work um, overseas. Well, we look forward to hearing you speak this evening and look forward to you, to you tackling that word Zerubbabel, because that's not an easy word to say. Good on you. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. Um, so I, I thought that after having had a series on everything being meaningless... I thought we would start to think about how our priorities for the start of this year actually do matter in God's eyes. Um, so we'll just start with a word of prayer first and to commit God and this time uh, to his hands. Father God, we thank you that you are the God who speaks through your word. Lord, even through the Old Testament words, your, your word is alive. Lord, it is sharper than a two-edged sword. And so, Lord, we ask that you would speak to us Lord, may your word fall, fall on fertile ground. Lord, may it really uh, cause us to turn to you, 
to respond in obedience, nor take away anything that would hinder, that would distract, nor so we can really just focus on you. We ask this for your namesake. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, two years ago, my house had a problem with black ants. They crawled into the bathroom next to our master bedroom. Eventually, they wound themselves, they found their way into the kitchen and also the dining area. So if we ever forgot to sweep away or wipe away any spot of crumb, they would show up in full force. So I took on the role of the uh, domestic ant buster in the house. I tried ant baits from Coles, but that didn't work. And so for several months, I just resorted to using detergent water and a sponge to wipe away the trail of ants whenever they appeared. But I realized that even if I killed 100 ants, it would seem like another 300 would replace them. In fact, after the, the winter months where things sort of allowed a little bit with the activity of ants, and as the weather heated up, we saw, we saw that what I tried to do was really to no avail. The ants came back with a vengeance, and they even began to drop from the ceiling onto the dining table and the kitchen bench top, and I kid you not. And that was when I realized that cleaning up more wasn't going to cut it. Putting more time and more energy wasn't going to produce the result that I wanted. What was I to do? Now, in the book of Haggai, the Jews were experiencing a situation where things were not going well for them. They worked hard, but they were not productive. Verse 6 of chapter 1 tells us that God says, You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. So what is going on here? Well, to help us unpack this a bit more, we'll have a little look at Israel's history. So if you have got two hours with you, we'll look into it right now. Now, for most of us, we know about Moses and how God used him to rescue the nation of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery, and God brought them out of Egypt into the promised land of Canaan. Now, Israel was meant to be this light and blessing to the nations around them. They were meant to represent God and his people. But this will only happen when they lived out God's ways, when they lived out God's covenant in the promised land. Now, God chose King Solomon to be the one who would build God's temple in Jerusalem. And God's temple was the place where his people would worship him. It was the place where God would be amongst his people, ruling over them, protecting them in the promised land. But as we know, it didn't take long for God's people and the kings to rebel against God. They worshipped other gods, they intermarried with other foreigners, and they led them to compromising their worship of Yahweh, of God. And this happened not just once, but it happened over and over and over again. So finally, God had enough, and he kicked them out of the promised land. And he sent the Babylonian armies to come in and they destroyed this temple that Solomon had so lavishly built. Now in 50, 538 BC, the Persian Empire took over as the ruling empire at the time. And a strange turn of events took place. 
the king of Persia, King Cyrus, he put out a decree to allow the exiled Jews to return to Jerusalem. And not only that, but to also rebuild the temple of God. He even supplied them with gold and silver and supplies to do this work. And so the work started. But it didn't take long for this work to sort of come to a standstill. And this is when Haggai, the prophet of God, receives the word from the Lord during the reign of King Darius, the king of Persia at that time. So this word was given to Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the high priest. So in verse 2, we've got that on the back of the, on the slide. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai, verse 4. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? See, God accuses the, um, the returned exiles in Jerusalem of neglecting him. They have forsaken their mission to rebuild God's temple, and so it remained in ruin. Instead, they were busy living their lives in their paneled homes. And God warned them, give careful thought to your ways. Verse 6, you have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages, only to put them in a purse with holes in it. You see, God's people were in strife. Life was difficult. Things were not going to plan, even when they worked hard. Verse 9 continues, You're expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. And what you brought home, I blew away. Why? Because they had forsaken God's house. You see, God's house was at the very heart of the covenant relationship that God had with his people. When the exiled Jews first returned to Jerusalem 18 years before that, their top priority was to rebuild the temple. And they did make a start, but then they faced opposition, and the work gradually came to a grinding halt. And what they thought was going to be temporary became an ongoing problem, because other things took over. Other priorities became more important. Earning a living, tending the fields, building their own homes, they gradually got busier and busier with life. And because they were so absorbed in their own affairs, in verse 11, God called for a drought on the fields, the mountains, the grain, and literally everything that they labored for. And on the next slide, that's up there. Um, the word drought here in Hebrew is the word horev, which is the same word that is used in verse 4 and 9, describing God's temple or house that remained in ruin, horev. So in verse 11, it's the noun, and in verse 4 and 9, it's the adjective form of the word. So because God's house remained in ruin, Haref, God brought about ruin, Haref, to what they laid their hands on. The cause and effect relationship is very clear. The question for us is this, how does that apply to us now in the 21st century? Well, let me start by saying what it does not mean for us. So just because life is going well, you've got good health, you're going places, 
That does not mean that God has rubber stamped your life and your choice of priorities and that God is pleased and honored with your life. On the other hand, if life is difficult, you're in a rut, you know, there's just no hope, everything seems to be going wrong. That does not necessarily mean that God's hand is against you either. It's not that clear cut. But if you are going through strife and suffering, carefully ponder what God might be saying to you, whether it is a spiritual matter in your life, just as Yahweh spoke to his people through Haggai. Most of you know C.S. Lewis. He wrote his book, The Problem of Pain, and it says, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Maybe, maybe God is shouting to us in our time of drought and struggle because we have become too self-absorbed. So whether life is smooth sailing or whether life is stormy, give careful thought to your ways. Consider your priorities. Where is God in your life? Are we focused on our own priorities while God's kingdom work is unfinished? Are we so busy with life while the needs of our church, Subi, Subi Church, goes unmet? Like the Israelites, it's easy to say it's too hard. Someone else in Subi can do it. I don't have time to get involved. Not now. Maybe later. Maybe once the kids have graduated or after I paid off my mortgage or after I sort out all these problems that I have in my life, and then I can focus on God and serve Him. But we forget that sometimes digging in harder, striving even more, does not necessarily turn things around. Just like the ant problem in my house, mopping up more frantically, getting more ant bait, wasn't going to get to the heart of the problem. The root of the problem there with the ants was the queen ant. Likewise, we can muster our energies, but we can miss that something that keeps us from moving forward. And that something is the God factor. How often do we strive to line the ducks up in our lives, but forget that God can do that for us instead? Jesus tells us in Matthew 6.33 to seek first God, his kingdom, and his righteousness, and he will give us all that we need. Jesus wants us to prioritize his kingdom first and not to chase after all of our needs. But as you know, and I know, that our human nature makes us want to trust in our own hands first rather than trusting in God's desire and ability to provide for us. Where we live in Perth, we have birch collection for bulk rubbish once every year. If you're in a better council, it might be twice a year. But who here has picked up something useful from your neighbor's pile of rubbish? As the saying goes, one man's rubbish is another man's treasure. So anyone here has done it before? Hands up. I confess, I've done it myself. I picked up bed frames and even our kids' toys too. 
Now, as you know, it's a common sight to sight scavengers who drive around the streets, rummaging through the、uh, the pile of rubbish, looking for that treasure, that useful item that could be recycled. And so, by the time it comes for the garbage truck to come and pick up that pile of rubbish, most of the useful items would have disappeared. Now, in one of these bulk collection weeks, we had we had thrown out two old kids' bikes. One of them was Hannah's old bike that we had kept for Elijah. So that's our first, our daughter, been kept for Elijah, our second child. But then it was really in such a sorry state that it wasn't worth repairing. So we tossed it out. And I told myself that one day, when I have time, I will look around for a second-hand bike for Elijah. The next day, those two bikes disappeared from our verge, and I said, "Yep, that happens." A few days later, I just went cycling around the neighborhood, and I turned into one road that I don't normally cycle past or along. And as I was cycling, I caught sight of this kid's bike, and it looked just the right size for Elijah. And as I got to it, I saw that it was in a far better condition than the one we had thrown out. And all I had to do was pump the tires, remove the training wheels, and voila! Elijah had his new bike. And I thought to myself, you know, surely God must have reserved that bike for Elijah. I mean, how could the scavengers, the scavengers, miss picking up such a good bike? See, God provided in such an effortless way. It certainly saved me from. Going through Gumtree or Marketplace to look for a second-hand bike for him. Now I know it's just a bicycle, but God can line up the ducks. He can put you at the right place at the right time. Verse eight of Haggai one tells us, "Go up into the mountains and bring down timber, and build my house, so that I may take pleasure in it and be honoured," says the Lord. Let us honor and please God by seeking first His kingdom, His priorities, and while we do this, we trust that God looks after us. So the first point for today is beware of competing priorities. Instead, put God first. And the second point for today, as we move on, is be encouraged because God is all-powerful; He is faithful. And so we had the second、uh, chapter of Haggai read to us, just the first eight verses. And in this section of Haggai, the work to rebuild the temple of the Lord had gone under for about a, a month. And then God sent a word of encouragement to His people, telling them not to be dismayed, because some of the people there would have seen the original temple that King Solomon had built, and what they saw then. What they were trying to rebuild was just a pale comparison to its former glory, and so naturally it would have been easy to feel deflated. How can we ever restore the temple to its former glory? But God tells them, "Be strong and work, because I am with you. I am faithful to what I have promised. Do not fear." Friends, let us also be encouraged. Keep seeking God first. Even though the work that you do for the Lord may not be glamorous, it may seem small. It may not have much to show for, or you might be facing 
opposition or difficulty in that work that you're doing for him, let us trust that God is faithful to his promises. He is more than able to deliver. And in his timing, God will reveal his glory and his kingdom. You see, God reminded the Jews then that he is sovereign and all-powerful. In the very first message that, we, that Haggai brought to them, God says that he can cause the heavens to withhold their dew. He can bring about calamity just as he can also then withhold disaster. And here in this second message from the Lord, God says that he will once more shake the heavens and the earth. Now, in the English Standard Version Bible, it actually says in verse 7, so we've got that on the, on, the, on the screen, that I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in, and I will fill this house with glory. Now, this is only possible because God is enthroned over all. He is sovereign over all superpowers and nations, and even those powers that ruled over the scattered Jews. God also says that in verse 8, that the silver is mine, the gold is mine. All the riches of this earth belongs to him. And it is God who will provide for his people and with all that they need to accomplish the task he had in store for them. And sure enough, um, the book of Ezra gives us the account of what actually happens. And in chapter 5 and 6, the governor of the trans-Euphrates called Tatanai, he questioned the Jews at the time when they started to rebuild the temple of the Lord. He said to them, who authorized you to rebuild the temple and to finish it? But you see, God's hand was upon his people, and God intervened. And cutting a long story short, King Darius, the king at the time, found the scroll that was previously decreeing uh, what King Cyrus had said, and that was to rebuild the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem and to even pay the cost of rebuilding from the royal treasury. And so King Darius sort of copied what King Cyrus had put down on decree, and he told Tatanai and the officials to stop interfering with the reconstruction of the temple. Not only that, King Darius decreed that all the expenses would be covered and paid out from the royal treasury. On top of that, the local authority was to provide everything and whatever that was needed for burnt offerings to God. They were to provide everything that the priest requested daily without fail. And if anyone defied that edict, that person and their family would have been destroyed. That is an amazing turn in events from being seen as scum, as disgrace, and contemptible in the eyes of the people around them, God granted his people the resource and the backing of the ruling empire at the time. Now, history also tells us 500 years later that King Herod the Great used his massive amount of wealth to transform this same temple of God into one of the most magnificent buildings in the Mediterranean world. See, God is trustworthy. His word will come to pass. The question is, will we trust in his word? Will we stake our lives on his promises? 
Now back to the end problem in our house. We bit the bullet. We called the pest control people. Now the technician soaked our backyard with this um, chemical called fipronil spray. And the way the chemical works is that as the worker ants sort of um, you know, scavenge around the backyard, they carry the chemicals back to the ant queen, the queen ant. And eventually that will kill the queen ant and wipe out the colony. But the technician also told me that it would take about four weeks for this to take effect. In the meantime, there might even be a spike in ant activities as the chemical disrupts the colony. So sure enough, at the three-week mark, after the first round of treatment, I woke up early that morning because I had to uh, get out of the house with my daughter Hannah because she had her piano exam that morning. It was a nine o'clock exam. We were south of the river. We had to beat the freeway traffic. So I stepped into the kitchen and I was horrified because I saw the worst ant invasion ever. Wherever you looked, you saw ants. Oh, I saw those ants. Whether it was in the kettle, the water jug, they were literally everywhere. And I spent 45 minutes frantically mopping up and getting rid of these ants from the, from the kitchen. And while I was doing that, I could feel my frustration levels building up in my mind telling and trying to formulate what I was going to tell the pest company people. Now, cutting long story short, the company sent a technician the next day. They dropped off more ant bait to give us some temporary relief. But the lady over the phone gently told me and assured me that there is still one more week before the fibrinol spray will have its full effect. But I booked the second round of treatment on day 28 because I was fully convinced that fibrinol spray wasn't going to work for the ants in my house. As we approach the four-week mark, day 25, day 26, the ant activity began to peter out. And by day 27, they disappeared. We canceled the second round of treatment. The pest control experts know how to exterminate ants. I don't. They know how their product works. I don't. They said it would take four weeks, but I did not believe them. God's word never fails. His word always comes to pass. Will we believe in his promises? Now, despite the end drama, thankfully, we arrived at the exam venue, and in fact, we arrived 15 minutes early. So I drove into the parking lot, and now this is surrounded by lots of very tall and mature eucalyptus trees. And this is in Claremont. I'm sure some of you would, would have been there before. And these trees, they tower over the surrounding homes in that area. Now, I randomly picked the parking spot, and then I escorted Hannah to the exam venue. After the exam, we made our way back to the parking lot, and then we saw a group of people staring at this huge seven-meter eucalyptus tree branch that was sprawled across the parking lot, with the edges and the tip of the branches just brushing up right against my car. But by God's grace, not a single scratch on my car. 
There's a photo of that on the screen. However, there was a black Volvo parked opposite my car and just one spot to the right. And you can guess, that car bore the brunt of the impact of the branch as it hit the ground. And that expensive car was a complete write-off. There's a couple of slides showing it too. In fact, that car belonged to the parent of the candidate that had her exam right after Hannah did. As I drove home, God reminded me it could very well have been my car that was smashed and written off. It could have been me who would have had to send in an incident report and put in an insurance claim. It could have been me who would have had to go through the whole rigmarole of replacing the car. Our God is all-powerful and he is in sovereign control over everything. He can spare us from disaster, just as he can also allow trouble to come our way. He can turn things around in an instant. And if that is so, let us seek God's priorities first. Because if he is with us, nothing can be against us. Amen? The third point for today is taken from the last three verses in Haggai. And I'll read that to you because it hasn't been read out to you yet. Um, verse 20, the word of the Lord came a second time to Haggai on the 24th day of the month. Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I am about to shake the heavens and the earth and to overthrow the thrones of kingdoms. I'm about to destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the nations and overthrow the chariots and their riders. And the horses and their riders shall go down, every one, by the sword of his brother. On that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shealtiel, declares the Lord, and make you like a signet ring. For I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. So God says that he will shake the heavens and the earth. The Bible uses this phrase to indicate that God is going to set up his kingdom in the world and he will judge and destroy the other nations, just as God overthrew Pharaoh and his armies of chariots and riders. God says he will overthrow the other kingdoms of the nations. And then a rather peculiar thing is mentioned here in verse 23. God says that he will take Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and make him like a signet ring. Now, what does that mean? See, a signet ring is a seal of authority. God uses this to describe the anointed king or his anointed king who would exercise God's authority on the earth. So this would have been King David and his descendants, and ultimately, the promised Messiah king. So here in Haggai, God says he will choose Zerubbabel and make him like a signet ring. Now what we need to understand is that a hundred years before this, God spoke to Zerubbabel's grandfather, and this is King Jehoiachin. Lots of names here. And it was the prophet Jeremiah that records this. And God said that he will actually judge the nation of Judah by sending the Babylonian king and his armies to destroy Jerusalem, and send King Jehoiachin into exile. So I read to you in chapter 22 at verse 24. 
It says, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, even if you, King Jehovah Jin, were a signet ring on my right hand, I will still pull you off. And further down in verse 30, record this man, and this is King Jehovah Jin, as if childless, for none of his offspring will prosper. None will sit on the throne of David or rule anymore in Judah. God pronounces his judgment. He removes the signet ring from King Jehoiachin because of Judah's stubborn faithlessness. It cannot be any clearer than this. The hope of the Messiah King is completely dashed. But then, a hundred years later, God speaks to his descendant, Zerubbabel, and reinstates him with the signet ring. See, God had not abandoned his promise of the Messiah King. Despite the utter failure of his own people, God continues with his plan to bring about his kingdom. And now we know that Zerubbabel really was not this promised Messiah King. Rather, it was a person born 500 years later in his line who is the promised Messiah King. And of course, this is Jesus. And you, you can check that out in Matthew chapter 1 and read the whole genealogy, and it links Zerubbabel all the way down to Jesus. It is Jesus who is the one who fulfills all these promises that we see in Haggai. It is King Jesus who is a signet ring on God's right hand. And you know what? It is the church that Jesus builds that has glory far greater than the temple that Solomon built. It is Jesus who ushers in the kingdom of God. And through Jesus, God will shake the heavens and the earth. Jesus is the returning king and judge of all nations. So what does that mean for us now? You see, God's big picture, his plan was always to establish his kingdom from the very beginning of creation. God's presence in the temple of Solomon with the nation of Israel in the promised land, that was just a foreshadow of God's coming kingdom. And all of history moves inexorably towards the climax where the kingdom will be fully restored and Jesus will sit on the throne and all those who believe in him from every tribe, tongue, and nation will bow down and worship Jesus in the new heaven and earth. And so the invitation is for everyone to enter God's kingdom. And if you haven't entered in yet, you can do this now by putting your trust in Jesus. He died on the cross for your sins, and now you have the chance to accept him into your life as your Savior and Lord. But for those of us who have believed in Jesus and who follow him, we know that God hasn't just whisked us up to heaven as soon as we believed in him. Because God's house is not complete yet. God is still building his kingdom. The gospel is yet to be preached to the very ends of this earth. And that is why there is the Great Commission. Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. And just a part of that verse, Jesus came and said to them, to his disciples, that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And that is Jesus, the signet ring of God. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. You see, as followers of Jesus, we are to interpret life 
and its meaning and purpose in the light of this truth, that Jesus has been given all power and is sovereign over all things, and he will return as the coming king who will judge the heavens and the earth. Therefore, missions to the nations should always be at the very heart of God's people. It should be in our DNA. It should shape the meaning and the purpose of each of our lives. And so the final point for today is that we are to be kingdom-minded because God is committed to fulfill his coming kingdom. And as people of Subi Church, we can trust that God is committed to build his church here in Subi and to the ends of the earth. And no matter what happens, be it uncertainty or turmoil, or we see the effects of our sinfulness and mistakes, God is committed to sanctify us so that we will reveal his kingdom through our lives. And as people who have been saved into his kingdom, and in view of his mercy upon us, our proper response is to offer our lives to him as living sacrifices. As Romans 12, 1-2 says, and it says that this is our true and proper act of worship to him. So our commission to allow, is to align our lives with God's mission to bring about his kingdom. So before we end in prayer, there is a video that I hope we can play. So if that would work, it would be great if you could. It's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day -day of life. We get so busy, we forget that God has a plan for the world. There's more going on than headlines and status updates. We need to stop and ask ourselves, what is God's plan and what is he wanting us to do? From the beginning of time, God's plan has been the same, to redeem and rescue humanity from sin and destruction and bring the hope of salvation to the nations. Adam was the first to hear the promise of this great hope, and this promise continues throughout scripture. It is through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ Jesus that God fulfilled the promise to redeem and rescue humanity from sin and bring the hope of salvation to the nations. Christ is the hope of the nations, and God has called his followers to participate in his plan to bring the name of Jesus to every continent, every region, every person. It is the call that has inspired men and women to become history makers for the glory of God in every generation. It is the call to go. Over 150 years ago, this same call compelled James Hudson Taylor to devote his life to the people of East Asia and to found China Inland Mission. Now known as OMF, this ministry is bringing God's hope to those without hope. But sadly, today in North and Southeast Asia alone, there are more than 2 billion people who have little to no access to the message of hope. Over 2 billion people who have not yet heard the name of Jesus Christ. Our call, our challenge, is to participate in God's plan, to reach every unreached people group with the hope and life found in Christ, to shine his light in the darkest places in the world. God's heart beats for those who are without hope. His compassion is all-encompassing and ever-reaching. It lives outside the confines of time and place and even history. His love and mercy is from everlasting to everlasting. James Hudson Taylor once said, the Great Commission is not an option to be considered, it is a command to be obeyed. God's call to take part in the Great Commission is as relevant and real today as it has been in any time in history. He wants to use each of us, here and now, to use our time, our talents, and passion to follow in the Great Commission. We all have a part to play. Together, we can experience God's heart to redeem and rescue His people, 
Together we can bring the hope of Christ Jesus to the billions without hope. Together we can bring his plan for salvation to the nations. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to you, Lord, and we ask for forgiveness when we have become too self-focused. Thank you for the reminder, Lord, that Jesus is our Lord and our King, and that you're working all things out to bring about your kingdom. Lord, your work is still unfinished. Help us not to procrastinate and say that the time has not yet come for us to build your house. Lord, the time is now, Lord. So open our eyes to your almighty power, your faithfulness in keeping to your word and your promises. Help us to trust in you, Lord, and to stir our hearts so that we will respond and obey in obedience to you, to serve you and your kingdom, Lord, to your honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's respond and sing the worship. Would you please stand and sing? Holy, holy, there is no one like
anyone would like some prayer, we'd love to pray for you down the front. If you need any advice on how to get rid of the pest from your house, come and speak to David. Otherwise, let us finish with the benediction. Father, may every one of us take stock of our priorities in light of your word. Lord, instill within us kingdom priorities this day and every day in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll see you next week.